You're listening to the Digital Introverts Podcast, a show where introverts share their success and failure stories and discuss how they thrive in the digital age. I'm your host, Godwin Chan. Let's begin. Episode 5 of the Digital Introverts Podcast features my good friend, Radian Hutt, or Raddy for short. He's a young man focused on bringing his ideas to life. He's currently a full-stack developer at DocuData and the creator of Chapsel, an event app creation platform for event organizers. Let's dive right into this episode. Great. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Introverts Podcast. I'm your host, Godwin Chan, and today we have Radian Huck in the house. Welcome. What up? What up? Hi. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. And, you know, let's just get started for yourself. What does it mean to be an introvert in this day and age or in the digital age? What does digital introversion mean? I realize that I'm inventing a new term, but what does it mean to you? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, am I allowed to like turn it over to you? Am I allowed to do that on a podcast? Can I just be like, yo, Colin, what do you think about digital introversion? Why not? <laughs> let's just, uh, well, let's just, uh, you know, flip it back to me, I guess. Let's do it, do it, Colin. Let's just do it back and forth. For me, digital introversion, it's basically like, I like to see it in a way that it, it has really helped empower, you know, introverts to really come out on, you know, to, to, you know, make their mark in the world on a much bigger scale than before, because, you know, even Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary Vee, right, has mentioned that this is the age of the digital or not in digital, but rather introverted entrepreneur, right? And so essentially, you know, because the World Wide Web, the internet has given the opportunity for introverts to really do the things they love, right? From the comfort of their own home, and also uh, in the way that they want to, you know, do it. Like there are a lot of alternative careers, right? Now, instead of your traditional nine to five, you know, you can make YouTube videos, you can be a writer, full-time writer, right? You can write online, you can uh, start a podcast like this one, <laughs> right? And you can um, do all these sorts of different alternative careers, you know, without going, without commuting, you know, having a nasty commute to the office, uh, and then, you know, sitting down nine to five, you know, having, you know, sometimes forced conversations with your colleagues and then having, you know, group lunch and then having quote unquote mandatory after work socials or activities, right? And so, you know, you don't necessarily have to do any of that now, right? Or you can, you know, have a very flexible work schedule, right? You can work from home sometimes. And so, you know, for me, it, being an introvert in this digital age, right, has really opened up the realm of possibilities for a lot of people to pursue really their interests, right? And yeah, that's how I would define it. How about you? Yeah. Yo, nice, nice. Uh, yeah, first off, I'm so glad that you started off. Cause, like, I was thinking a little bit about what this digital introversion means before this podcast, just to get a little, uh, just get ready. Yeah, I was kind of, I wasn't sure how to approach it. I think for me personally, uh, you bring up a good point and like now is like a great time for introverts to succeed in this world because i think traditionally um i'm, I'm thinking about like media right specifically new media at a time uh new media used to be radio at one point new media used to be newspapers and if you really think about that that was sort of more of like a one-way street where you as a consumer you as a member of the masses you could only really consume content you couldn't really create much content but today um there's there's so much opportunity for you out there to actually create content like uh we were talking about this a little bit before but i saw your tweet earlier this year where your goal was to create more content than consume which is so sick and like it's like never before could you have done that i i think you know uh and i was talking about to you about this a little bit earlier as well like this idea that when i was in university i went to a lot of different business conferences and case competitions and it seems like every single event had a workshop or a keynote speaker talk about personal branding and the importance of getting yourself out there and um you know just like molding the public's perception of you and how important it is to create 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 for me, I guess, personally, I find it kind of challenging because really, you know, when you think of introversion, like the introversion, extroversion spectrum, it's all about the expenditure of energy in social environments. Um, do you have a net positive 
uh, gain of energy after a social interaction. If so, you're probably more on the extroversion side. If it's a net negative gain, it's, you're probably on the introversion side. I'm definitely more on the introversion side. But I found that even just digital social interactions really tire me out. So I want to explore that a little bit. You know, I'm like so curious. Like, like I, like I don't know if I'm even like a lot. I'm like, um, I don't know if I'm even like, a, like I don't know if it's the right sort of. Uh, well, I'm going to turn the question on you, man. Like, how do you do this? How do you, how do you as an introvert create so much content online? Well, I mean, for me, it's uh, I've always I've, I've always said this, but it's uh, very much a lower barrier to entry, right, than traditional like face to face, right, or or having that kind of you know really you know full on two way street, right. So um, it it you know for a lot of people it is intimidating, right, to to speak you know, one-on-one with another individual in their, in the very presence, even, you know, it, it, and now with the advent of, you know, content creation online and things like that, it's much easier uh, because, you know, one, it's, uh, you can control the narrative, right? In the sense that, you know, you choose or you decide to put out what type of content, uh, you know, it is, it is a bit one way in that regard, but, you know, you can have that two-way street when people interact with your content. Say, you know, they if they like it, if they, you know, leave a comment or or things like that. And so, you know, it, it, it's much easier and it's less intimidating, right? Um, and what you find is that a lot of introverts do like to share a lot of things, right? Maybe not in person, but uh, in within the comfort of their own home, it's much easier, right, to do that. And mm-hmm. so you know, of course, you know, take that one step or take it up a notch and then you have the live, you know, live streams, right. Or video conferencing or, you know, where there's a simulation of people who, you know, are talking in real time, right. With audio and with video. And, you know, there's no real chance to say, let's say like edit something, right. Then opposed to, you know, like a text post, an audio clip, or a video, right? You can always touch it up, record, uh, uh, edit it, post-production, things like that, right? Yeah. But for live streams, like, even I was I was talking uh, to your brother about this, actually. So we, we met up on New Year's Day, actually. <laughs> I didn't tell you this before. But we met up on New Year's Day because he, of course, you know he does a lot of live streams, right, for his, uh, for his stuff. Yeah, and for his own oh, podcast, yeah. I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and that's for his podcast too, and it's for his news email newsletter for helping people or helping students find jobs right after after college or university. And what he told me was that he he actually prefers live streams than doing videos, just because you can be your your raw authentic self. That's one, but also second, you know, it doesn't have to bother with editing and and making it seem like he's more perfect than he actually is kind of thing so he, he likes to just be you know just be himself in the moment interacting with people who attend his live streams right or people who attend his webinars right so um, uh-huh. it's different for everyone of course i i vastly prefer video actually to live streams. live streams are terrifying for most people right so yeah and even for me like i've only tried like one live stream as a test like on instagram just like, you know i was just filming like you know two minutes of a linkedin local event right and yeah. so and so that was just a test, right? And only like three people, three people showed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, and, and, and but like you know, at, at the same time, it's just it's really interesting, right? It, yeah. In that in that regard, where you know a lot of you know introverts have a lot, a lot of introverts have a lot more things to say online than in person, right? And that's the, the kind of phenomenon we're you know we're building up right now especially if you find your own communities right um what i mean by that is that you know there are a lot of uh really really fantastic online communities um out there on the interwebs (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and you know and and, as opposed to the public you know town square hall model or town hall model of you know let's say you know the facebook news feed or instagram or twitter or linkedin or whatever right i found that the best communities where I can be myself and express myself the most are in those, you know, private conversations or those groups. Right. Um, and some of my best, uh, or my most favorite conversations happen actually in Facebook groups or, uh, Slack channels or discord servers, right. Just because mm-hmm. it's a closed gated community. It's an invite only community, obviously. And so, you know, you know, the type of 
high caliber people that are in these communities and that you can easily access, right? You have, you know, multimillionaire entrepreneurs, you can have people in media and technology and whatever, right? Whatever field or industry that, you know, you aspire to be in or that you're already in or uh, that you want to network with, they're usually found, you know, within these very niche communities. Some are, some of them are behind a paywall, but most of them are free, right? And so mm-hmm. that way, you know, that you're getting a much more vetted experience, right, with, with the people that you interact with. And it's just more fruitful, you know, discussions about just anything that you want to set your heart to, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, at the end of the day, right, that's where, as introverts, we're more in our happy place, place right? It, it's a different medium of exchange of ideas and communication right yeah that's not to say that this will entirely replace one-on-one conversations in person i love those actually right uh but you know and i also love you know bigger group environments like you know conferences and networking events and things like that but those must be done in moderation in my opinion because just because of course i've talked about this a lot introverts are like phones we need to recharge sometimes Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We definitely do need to recharge. But you know, that's an that's an interesting idea of like, uh, uh, I guess this idea of, you know, participating in online communities may allow you to be a little bit more comfortable. Um, I think the opportunity that exists with all these online communities is it's very it's much easier to find a community that is surrounded that that's based out of an interest, uh, I guess, an activity or something that interests you genuinely. Um, so, 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 and, and I think it's a lot harder to do that in person, but I guess, you know, something I think about sometimes is like this idea that I think I'm a lot more social in person than I am online. Online, I lurk a lot, but in person, mm-hmm. if you were to find me in person, I'm much more likely to interact with other people, especially if it's in like a social environment. And I guess part of the reason why is because online, it's a lot easier to not get involved in a discussion. I feel like in person, you're kind of, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot more social pressure to actually like have conversations with people. But online, like if I just don't want to talk, I'm not going to talk. And what are you going to do about it? There's nothing anyone can really do about that, you know? Do you find that ever? Like this idea that, you know, just because it's so much easier to not contribute, you don't contribute online and like online discussions. And if so, let me ask you this, like, do you think it's necessary to contribute even if you don't want to contribute in a discussion yeah i mean there there again like i said the barrier tension is much lower right so you can actively choose to participate or whether or not to participate in the discussion or not and so for that reason why you know the ratio of active participants to total number of participants you know in an in an online group let's say is usually Uh quite low Right. And that yeah. for the reason why, you know, of course, you know, there are a few dominant people in any given conversation, really. Like you, you think about your average meeting it's usually like those two or three people who blabber all the way through. Right. A, a, a particular meeting. Uh-huh. Right? And so that's not, for example, conducive for introverts who may not feel exactly comfortable. Right. Speaking up in that type of group setting or group environment. Uh-huh. Right? And so yeah, back to the online thing. You know, you, you really need to find your niche or find your, you know, your tribe or you feel completely compelled, right, to participate, right? There's, the, you know, in an online conversation before you actually dive into one, right? And so it, it really comes from a sense of belonging, right, and an inner desire to participate in said discussion, right? Especially if it, you know, is of interest to you or they're your good friends or, what may have you. So uh-huh. it's, yeah, it, I, you know, for me, like, of course, my ratio of, of communities where I, you know, lurk versus where I participate, of course, it's very, uh, of course, it's still skewed towards lurk, right? You know, just because I'm actually in too many online communities, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so, you know, and there's, again, there's nothing wrong with lurking as well, because you can also glean a lot of useful information, but you know, you, you actively choose not to participate, but you still get that valuable information. For example, that's what I do with a lot of subreddits, right? Just because Reddit is a, is a very interesting place uh, and there's a lot of useful, it's a very useful place as well. 
for lots of great discussions. Uh, but sometimes, you know, that that demographic, because there is an extra layer of anonymity, right? With you know, with Reddit, where you know you can just you know have you know make throwaway accounts or whatever, right? Um, yeah, fuck yeah. There's a lot of it's a lot more unfiltered, right? And, and in that sense, right, it can get you know discussions can derail sometimes, right? And so for me, that my that's kind of my uh, my active choice, right, to just lurk on on a lot of subreddits, right? Yeah, but there's still a lot of great discussions there. Don't mind, you know. I I I upvote like things, you know, on a regular basis, right? But you know, the communities where I participate in the most actually are those where it's usually like 20 people or fewer, because I can find that I know ev- I can know everyone personally on a personal level, right? Mm-hmm. It's easier. Like even if we haven't met in person, like it's just e- much easier. The cognitive load of managing like or dealing with a community where there's like thousands and thousands of people, you're, you're not going to keep track. You're never going to keep track. Right. Yeah. Whereas for, you know, invite only communities where there's 20 people or less, it's much easier to know, Hey, you know, such and such, uh, has this job and lives the, there and has like two kids or doesn't have to, whatever. Right? <laughs> but, yeah. Anyways, we're, I'm extrapolating. Yeah, like, like, specific, man. <laughs> No, 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 I'm, I'm just extrapolating like, you know, 10, 20 years, like if, you know, if we decide to have kids, right? So, um, <laughs> but it, no, but uh, what I'm saying is that, you know, yeah, it, okay. it's more it, personal. It's like, it's, interesting. Yeah. it's a more personal tailored experience, right? And yeah. what happens is in those communities where there's, uh, you know, tens of thousands of people, you're less, you, generally people are less inclined to participate because it's seen by that many more people, whatever you're saying. Mm-hmm. So your message gets amplified, but also, you know, if you, for example, you may slip up, right, and and say something that may, you know, isn't quite right, then you have more people, you know, exposed to that, and then, you know, it just doesn't look good on your part, right? So that is what usually happens, like, you know, what I'm talking about when there's, like, a, a panel or a networking event where, you know, where I'm, like, I'm, I'm never going to, for example, raise my hand in front of a gigantic crowd, right, to ask a question. Like, you know what I'm talking about. You know how, for example, in tech TO, people do that, right? And they just yeah. don't blah, blah, blah. You went to that event, uh, you know, in, in you know this month, right, in January. Yeah, tech yeah TO. And that's yeah, what yeah. people do. Like, they just get up and they just self-promote promote mainly. Yeah. And for me, I can never do that. Like, you know, if I want to speak to a particular uh, guest speaker or panel, I just talk to them privately afterwards. Because I think that's a more okay. effective way of doing it. Um, just because... It's more personal. It's one-on-one. It's a two-way street conversation. If you think about it, like if you ask a question, the speaker will answer the question. That's it. End of conversation. That's it. You can't even like, you know, ask another follow-up question. And it's in front of everyone too, right? You know, yeah. And if you make a fool of yourself in front of everyone, that's a lot more, you know, social pressure on you. But if yeah, you talk yeah. to them privately afterwards, you can have a great conversation. And then you can also connect with each other, you know, on social media or whatever or get their email or whatever, right? You can continue the conversation, right? So that, you know, that's why, of course, I still vastly prefer those smaller group environments. Okay, well, yeah, okay. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I, I guess I want to take it back to uh, this idea of like, personal branding, right? And the, like, the business application of all of this, all this that we're talking about. Uh, because I, I don't know, like I find it so interesting. I feel, I, I think, you know, like, like if you don't produce content, you're likely to disappear. Yes, meaning that people will forget about you but at the same time with following that logic i feel like there's like a pressure to produce content for the sake of producing content produce content so that you feel relevant and i feel like certain aspect of that just feels kind of fake to me i don't know like is there like a balance between like producing authentic content and doing it in a timely manner so that you're always at the top of mind like have you thought about that at all yeah, that's a great question. Another question is, who is the host here? <laughs> I know. I'm asking so many questions. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Welcome this to the Ratty and Hug podcast. I'm, I'm joking. Featuring Godwin, right? Yeah, I'm joking. Yeah, this, is, this is supposed to be a two-way street. Thank you for asking these questions, actually. Right? So, um, yeah, no, that's a great question because it's a fine balance, right? Let's just say that. And, and for me, like, you know, again, quality trumps quantity any single day for me right 
you know, if you produce content for the sake of producing content and stay on top of mind, just create, just make reaction videos on YouTube. There's a bajillion videos you can react to on YouTube, right? And of course, you can do that. You can do that on a consistent basis. You can release videos every day. But what is the inherent value of those, right? Yes, it's entertainment mainly, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, main like those videos are mainly you know to stoke you know to stoke the YouTube algorithm in, in the sense that oh this is a creator that creates consistently, and mm -hmm. while it may may provide some value, like there are some you know channels that focus solely on reactions that have fantastic commentary right afterwards or during the video the video they're re they're reacting to that's fine that's great, but you know there are some channels that just you know react to a video and that's it that's the end of the video right you just react the video is entirely just reacting for the sake of reacting uh -huh. and it's just what what really is the value added you know besides entertainment and maybe you know you, you scream your head off halfway through right so it, it, it you know it's a tricky balance and it applies to everything like even outside of youtube right there are some people who uh create instagram stories all day every day which is fine. I have nothing, there's nothing, I have nothing against that. It's just like, that's cool. You know, you show people a glimpse into uh, your life, right? For other people. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, for me personally, like that gets tiring even after, like even if I'm, you know, doing a bunch of stories in a day, that gets, that gets tiring to me, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, it's a fine balance. Like it, it depends on the type of medium, but also depends on um, how often you can commit. Right. Again, inconsistency is the bane of all creators, right? Because your audience will not know what to expect or when to expect content, right? But if you mm -hmm. create a schedule that works for you and your creative process, let's say like, oh, I just want to, um, you know, release a monthly newsletter instead of a bi-weekly or a weekly newsletter. That's perfectly fine. That's consistency. Like, then your audience knows when to expect a newsletter. Oh, I'm going to release it on the first of every month. And okay, bam, you know, first of every month, you expect Raddy, you know, Raddy's uh, uh, newsletter, right? So it really depends on you and your working style, your inspiration, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, and, and depends on your, you know, your energy level too, especially if you're, you know, more introverted and it, it really depends, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, honestly, I'm not sure if it's like, I'm not sure if, producing inauthentic content is necessarily a bad thing, especially if you like, it's, it's to reach a goal. Like, like you said, like, um, like let's say you, you committed to making like one YouTube video a week, right? And one week you're not really feeling it, but you just produce it just to hit that goal. Yeah. I'm not really sure if that's a bad thing actually. Cause yeah. Cause like, I remember back in um, high school, I, I had, uh, I was participating in this competition and part of the competition, um, I decided to try to create one video a day for a whole month. And there were days where like I produced like really bad videos, man. And it, it, like, it took me like 30 minutes to make. And there are other days where I produce like really high quality videos. And I'm not, uh, I don't know, I'm pretty proud of the overall project, but I'm not necessarily proud of certain individual videos. Uh, like like it, they're, they're just not that great quality, right? Um, and I, but I don't know if that's, yeah, that's probably not a bad thing. Tying that onto like, uh, cause I'm so curious about, so like, one of the first things I mentioned was that tweet that you put out where like you're trying to produce more content than you consume. Like, I want to know, like what, how, like how, like what's your plan for that? How do you do that? Like, yeah. Do you have like a strategy for that? Cause I'm thinking about it. Right. I feel like there's two ways that you can do it. Either one, you can either minimize the amount of content that you consume and like live a life as like a buddhist monk or some something right <laughs> where you just like don't consume media at all but the other approach could be to maximize the output of content that you produce and just like post 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 a lot more than you, you consume i guess the problem with that is like unless if you're naturally doing it i wonder if that comes from like a, an authentic place but, but again with this idea of like if you're doing it to hit a goal is that necessarily a bad thing like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, so maybe we'll start off with like, how, how are you planning on producing more content than you consume this year? Yeah. So good question. Also, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I got all the no, questions. No, it's fine. This back. is the variety of podcast <laughs> featuring Godwin Chan. It's fine. No, it's supposed to be a two-way street. It's fine. Like, 
no, I appreciate it when uh, when guests like you know flip the switch, you know, on the host. It's fine. Yeah, I'm just so curious. Yeah, yeah like I'm interested. Yeah, I'm no, interested. and that and you know it's it's really interesting that you <laughs> pointed out that uh, particular tweet just because you know in in the past, right? I've you know just been a a passive con- you know consumer of content, right? And I would spend a an inordinate amount of time on you know whether that's YouTube, whether that's you know articles whether that's through books um, podcasts whatever right uh, mm-hmm. and so you know especially for uh this year and 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 coming up there for me it's it you know this i think it's the right time for me to transition you know away from all that consumerism you know in terms of in, in terms of content really and and you know of course flip the switch <laughs> like i said earlier but for a different context like you know in terms of Okay, now I'm at that stage in my life where I ha- do have contributions that I want to, you know, give out to the world and to help others with, right? And and that's precisely what I'm trying to do with the Digital Introverts book and also the Digital Introverts podcast, the one you're listening to right now, right? In the sense that this type of project is something that's really much, very much bigger than myself or one individual person, right? It's supposed to be, you know, collective narrative right for helping introverts introverts really navigate the the world that we're living in right right now and into the future and so you know let me share a little bit about my kind of content ecosystem i'm thinking of you know as of the moment of recording right so i have the podcast of the book right i really would like to have a central repository for everything in terms of content so that's going to be my personal website right that i'm finally going to launch after who knows how many years right i've been planning that right Mm -hmm. and so uh definitely looking to you know move my personal blog onto that website and then also looking to get a newsletter in in in, sorry an email newsletter up up and going right so that people will be informed of uh, what new content i have out right and that will include you know a bunch of the things i already just listed i'm thinking of starting a YouTube channel this year, right? To be able to get to know me, you know, the person behind a lot of these different other uh, types of content in a more personal way, right? So that people will be able to see who I am and know that I'm a real person, not a cyborg, right? And so, (laughs) and another thing that I'm looking to do also, right, is to go on a speaking tour. I think that would be very cool, right? Not only for promoting the book, but also, you know, maybe, you know, in the future, be able to, go to events and, and speak at them or organize my own, right? As of course I'm an event planner right? also, right? So, mm-hmm. it, so this kind of, you know, ecosystem is one that I am looking to create for this year may not have all the parts that I just listed, you know, up and running for this year, because, you know, I don't want to go into shiny object syndrome, right? Just, you know, mm-hmm. and do a bunch of things haphazardly and very, and do a very mediocre job as opposed to, you know, doing a few things very well, right? And, mm-hmm. and extracting the highest quality or has value for people, right? Out of these different things. So the book and podcast are a go and the other pieces will fall into place eventually or as, or as soon as I will plan them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's, that, that's my plan for consuming more or creating more content than I consume. But, uh, and, you know, on the flip side, in terms of, of consumption of content, like, you know, I've, uh, began, you know, drastically kind of reducing that, uh, you know, things on that end. So, for example, you know, I've been reading a lot less of those, you know, online articles, right? It, just because, like, yes, those are those are great. They can impart a lot of value, but at the same time, you know, they take forever. I used to have, you know, six hundred tabs open on Chrome, six hundred, <laughs> and five hundred fifty of those are basically online articles from like five months ago that I never touched. Right. Yeah. And it's like, why? And then I look back and it's like, why am I even reading this stuff? And then, you know, a lot of those articles are now obsolete because, you know, <laughs> things have changed. Right. Because I've, I, re- I personally read a lot of tech news. It's like some article is going to, is, is going to be dated like August 1st. And it's like, we work is preparing their <laughs> for their IPO. It's like, you know, that that's so outdated now. Right. So, yeah. you know, it, you know, I've basically, you know, drastically reduced that. And 
Huh. You know, on the on, you know conversely, I increased my podcast listening rate because it's very you can you can definitely multitask with that, right? Let's say you know you're at the gym, you can listen to a podcast. You're cooking, you can listen to a podcast. You're you're vacuuming the house, you can listen to a podcast. You're driving, you can listen to a podcast. You're on the subway, you can listen to a podcast, right? So it's this kind of passive consumption of content, and and you know. And I listen to a wide variety of podcasts as well. And it, it keeps me entertained, right? In the most boring of hours, <laughs> right? Oh. Or circumstances. Books, yeah. I, I'm looking to increase as well because I think they impart the best value or the most value. Also, depending on which type of books, right, you get um, as well. Like I, I read a lot of self-improvement and business-oriented and personal finance kind of books. So, you know, those have a lot of practical value for my day-to-day living right so and for self-improvement really right and in terms of youtube like i'm also decreasing my my watch time on youtube as well because you know i (laughs) I think i've told you before this before right but the youtube algorithm i think is a is one of the most powerful weapons in the world um and like i'd argue it's even you know more powerful than even a tank and here's why because i've gone down with too many uh rabbit holes on youtube and it's great. It's fantastic. There's a lot of, you know, wonderful content on YouTube, but at the same time, you know, you end up watching what, like, you know, eight, 15 minute videos in a row. That's two hours of your life gone. And, you know, and then you start questioning yourself, is that worth it? Is that exchange worth it? You know, where could you have uh, spent that two hours? You know, otherwise you could have spent it meeting your friends in person. You could have, yeah. Uh, spent that writing your next blog article and monetizing that you can spend that time you know recording a podcast episode right and and or you can spend that two hours you know whatever doing anything that works towards your your goals your career goals your financial goals whatever they may be instead of you know just sitting there uh, passively consuming information now that's not you know that's not to say like you should abandon YouTube entirely. It's just you know it's again it, with everything in moderation is the best, right? So yeah, yeah, yo, it's like some of the YouTube video finishes, just staring at yourself in that black screen, thinking, "What am I doing in my life?" <laughs> I was trying to um, yeah, like I think I think I heard Naval uh, Naval say something like the most powerful people, powerful people in the world are those people that control the algorithms. It's yes. really very true. I think I was I don't I don't know who I was I think I was talking to you or Judd. Uh, Judd is one of our mutual friends. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we're talking about how like out there, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but we're talking about like how it's like the, the platform itself is literally training us. Like I don't know from my own personal experience, I don't even click on a video unless if it's like 10, 11, 12 minutes long. Anything shorter, it's like, man, it's not taking up enough time. But like, yeah, it's kind of scary though. That's such a scary thought to think that like, yo, like, they literally trained me to feel that way. So if they can train me to feel that way, what else can they do? You know, if they literally impact my behavior, what else like, can they do? It's like yeah, and and it's a very powerful mechanism because the um the tech companies out there now, right? Especially the social media ones, right? Where uh, where we're we're with concerned or where we are concerned, right? Yeah, they know they know us better than we know ourselves, right? In in the sense that you know they monitored our every single move. Right, our our digital footprint essentially, and what's you know really interesting is that they'll know exactly what you're interested in uh, and things like that, and then they'll recommend stuff to you. That's that's the entire business model, right? For 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 these companies, or a, a large proportion of them, right, yeah. or, of the business model. So, and this is kind of the uh, thing that you need to master in terms of being indistractable. Like I've I, you know I I wrote a blog post about. You know this book indistractable by nearly all right he's a best-selling author right so and the one one way you know is to you need to really hack back your time right that's that's what he advocates the idea of and so you know especially like i have like i've put on basically i've put on like you know facebook you know newsfeed blockers i've put on um youtube blockers like you know how there's like a record like you know those recommended videos on the on the sidebar for any yeah. video. Like I I've had those hidden, like so I can you know prevent just passively go oh, clicking on another you know video with a thumbnail and a title that sounds intriguing kind of thing, right? It's like mm-hmm. you know is watching this video about the economics of KFC going to change my life or substantially improve my you know my 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 life? Probably not. It's probably interesting. 
right? Because of course, you know, me, you may know that KFC is under Yum Brands, and Yum Brands is like this gigantic conglomerate, right? Of you know, fast food chains. I think it's KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell, if I'm not you know mistaken, right? And it's just like, you know, like it's cool and all, but it's just like, you know. <laughs> is it going to change my life for better but for the yeah. better like how much value is right that how much like, value are you extracting for your time that's the thing right of course yeah. time is time is the only real non-renewable resource okay maybe fossil fuels too or not maybe not no but you just have to wait millions of years it will come back right but yeah time is really the real non-renewable resource here right and so like again you can always earn more money but time you can never get back right and so and and that's the sort of thing, and that's why you know, as a as a consumer of content for so long, I'm ready to, you know, I'm more than ready to go into creative mode, you know, as a way for me to help the world, but also, you know, to be able to develop those those uh, multiple streams of income that I was talking to you about mm-hmm. earlier, so that you don't you know entirely rely on your main job or you know, one side hustle or whatever, right? So you can have your, your toes dipped into multiple places so that even if there's a catastrophic, you know, economic collapse or nuclear apocalypse, you still have money in the bank. Well, maybe in the, maybe in the non-existent bank or malfunctioning bank, but you still have money, right? So it really depends. Yeah. And I think, I think probably like a, I don't know, positive or negative side effect of that. I don't know. It's like you get clout. You get like social clout from all that. Like, um, I mean, I, I'd like to personally think that I'm like worked on some interesting stuff, but like a lot of the times I don't really talk about it much. So like I have people like people like my family members asking me, "What are you up to? Like, what are you actually doing right now?" Or like um, friends saying, "Like, what are you up to these days?" Right? Just because like I don't feel like the need to like post what I'm doing, but I'm wondering if there could be some sort of value extracted from posting what I'm doing. I remember, I remember, uh, yeah, like I remember like this video I was watching it was. Um, it was like a it was like a rap video. It was, it was talking to one of Logic, a lot with Logic, the rappers, producers. I think his name was like Six or something. You know how like now like producers have like their tags. So like in every song, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like murder on that beat, so it's not nice. Like all those kind of tags. Yeah, the interviewer asked him like, "Yo, why don't you have a why don't you have a tag on your on your beats, right?" And the guy was like, "Yo, like because honestly, like, I want my work to speak for itself." I want my I want my work to be good to the point where someone hears it, hears my music, and says, "Whoa, this is sick!" I'm gonna actively seek out who built this. And I feel like that's such a sick philosophy to live by. It's like literally, like that's that's like the definition of being a legend, where your legacy is spread through word of mouth, and you don't you don't need to actively promote your legacy. You know, I think I think we all would love to strive to get there, but I wonder if. But I mean, that's kind of unrealistic. Like, you're not going to get there without actually, like, doing incredible work. And the reality is, I don't think most people are going to do incredible work. So I wonder, when we're talking about, like, legendary status, right? How much of that can you, not artificially, but, like, how much of that can you sort of influence by self-promotion? Yeah, now, now, now this question got me thinking because, you know, addressing your earlier point, right, in terms of, of course, like, there are certain types of people that post everything about their life on social media. And then there's people who are the complete opposite, people who don't even have social media at all. And then there's a happy medium where people have some social media, they interact sometimes, but, you know, that's about it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to your, the, the question about, you know, how much of your legacy is impacted by self-promotion, right? I feel like, especially at the beginning of one's career, like you have to really shamelessly self-promote just to get your, you know, get your, um, your feet off the Put ground, right? And then once you have, let's say, your thousand true fans, right? Or, you know, a small group of people who are your diehard fans, right? Who will listen to you, who will be super fans of you, basically. Right. And of course, I'm not advocating for you to be a cult leader or anything, but 
in any case. If you want to. Yeah, you know. Well, there, there's that option. That's how you, um, that's how you start a call. Anyways, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, you know, once you have your, your small but loyal, your, your loyal, your small but loyal dedicated following, then use them to pay it forward to spread the word, right? And then you have that gigantic snowball effect, right? And so, you know, you really put in the time and effort to get your name up there. Like that's how, that, you know, that's how, that's how really musicians start out, right? You know, you put out a few, you know, of your samples, um, you get your friends, family, whatever, to, um, to listen to it, to stream it on Spotify, to put it on YouTube, watch the music video, whatever. And then, you know, if you meet the right type of people, then you can get your, your lucky break or whatever, right? And that's what, and that's how, you know, Justin Bieber got picked up by Usher because he just posted on YouTube, right? So, mm-hmm. right? And, and, you know, but it, it doesn't, happen overnight again right and it doesn't uh and it's really and i, and I love this adage from from uh one of the guys i know sam demo like you know sam demo right so uh founder of pickways or co-founder of pickways and he's mm-hmm. like he, he's a huge you know speaker as well like you know speaks across to um speaks to students at school like high schools and, and things across canada and his adage has always been small consistent actions right if you take those you know, small, consistent, consistent actions to improve yourself, your well-being, your well-standing, how you behave, how you act uh, every single day. Those small actions, consistent actions will accumulate into something and morph into something bigger than yourself, right? And so to me, that's, that's how you get started. You, you know, you don't have to, you know, create a catas- you know, catastrophic crater into the, you know, mill- <laughs> into the um, surface of the earth. Well, you can, you know, start with a small meteor or small meteorite or, or asteroid or whatever, right? A small rock falling to the ground, right? Creating a little, yeah. and then it, once you have enough, enough of those, and then you start, it starts raining rocks, then you create, can create, you know, a lot of uh, impact, literally impact, right? And this, you know, this analogy is really weird. I don't know why I was going with that, but you get my point. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Like, it's like the compounding like it's compound interest essentially yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> essentially it's compound interest applied to self-development yeah yeah you know yo sometimes you know what i think about i think um I, uh, so like taking a step back for a second this idea of like being an introvert right like a self-identified introvert even it's like this line of thinking that i have where it's like you know i just want my work just work i just want my work to um speak for itself yeah. right like I don't, I don't know if it's really worth, you know, self promoting. I wonder if that stems from being introverted, or if that stems from being lazy, or if it's something else. Or it know? can be a combination of the two. You never know. Yeah, yeah. So what do you, uh, I wonder? Like, I think okay. First of all, let me start by saying that I think I'm like really overanalyzing all this. Like. I, I think no like, then this is, this is this is the time of our conversations like we go deep on something yeah i know <laughs> and, so like, and, and you know actually you, you can use your your examples from like split the tab and uh chapsel really to uh you know to to illustrate you know this this aspect that you're talking about actually um yeah yeah sure uh i guess the point i'm trying to make with this statement is like how do you not fall into the trap of labeling your laziness as just being an introvert you know like i just yeah i get well yeah so to talk so i have like a million thoughts running in my head right now but i guess like this idea of, <laughs> like, like not talking to people because you're like okay i'm an introvert so i naturally just can't talk but like i guess i guess when you're super inspired you will do it like i know even for like a lot of my own personal projects so when i was in university i organized a bunch of events um currently i'm working on this uh event uh, event platform but I'm okay with going out of my way to talk to people and still like interact with other individuals because I'm so motivated by the work that I'm doing. I will put aside whatever discomfort comes with interacting with individuals and do it for the sake of my work. You know, in this case, whether it's like an event or whether it's like for like my club, school club, or whether it's for like this platform that I'm working on, like I will do it. But I think it's so, I, I guess it's so easy to just say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to talk to people because that's not who I am, you know? And I wonder like, if there's like a great mental model or like framework or something that you can follow to snap yourself out of it and say, 
No, it's not because it's you're you don't you're not talking to people. Not the reason why you're not talking to people is not because not you can't naturally talk to them or whatever the case may be. It's because you're being a little bitch. I wonder yeah. if there's like yeah. how do you how do you evaluate that? You know, like I wonder if there's a way to evaluate that. Like, what do you think? Have you thought about this at all? Like, how do you evaluate whether it's because you can't do it or it's because you're just being a little bitch? Well, I mean. Also, yeah. I'm sorry for like the. And now, now you're just inserting a thought into my mind, right? It, it is a very valid question in the sense that, again, like my first thought is that, you know, you can't really blame introversion for your not willingness to talk to people. Introverts love talking to people, the right type of people, in the right circumstances, right? Hmm. You know, and again, you know, introversion is not shyness. I have to emphasize that again, right? And it, it, it is a function of, our internal energy and where we derive it from. And so, of course, we derive our most of our energy from being by ourselves, right? And so in terms of, you know, not wanting to talk to people, it may be because your battery is drained or, you know, you're just using introversion as an excuse, right, for not, for not uh, improving on your weaknesses, right, in, in terms of overcoming the mental hurdles that comes with, talking to strangers, right? Or to, you know, interact in a, in a group setting or, or things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the thing is with that is that, you know, as far as, for me, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the way I, I improved on it, right? I used to hate, you know, not really like to talk to people at all either, right? I just like to, you know, <laughs> uh, go home after school uh, and then, and you know, do homework and then play games. That's it. <laughs> that was my existence, right? And so, you know, it wasn't really until high school where I found the right type of people, or for me, I guess, like my community of people that I can relate to the most and, and things like that, where I was able to naturally open up more to express my true self, who I am, and be much more social and less shy, right? And to, you know, really take risks. But at the end of the day, you know, I didn't. You know, I didn't think I was, you know, lazy or, you know, not good enough or, or, or things like that. There were some of those thoughts, but at the end of the day, you just have to really gradually, you know, develop your mental fortitude. That's what I've had to do, right? It, it took a very long time, right? It, it took until basically adulthood, right? When I turned 18, that I felt really, you know, more, much more comfortable in my own skin, right? In terms of that, you know, meeting new people and things like that. And even, you know, within the past couple of years, I really branched out, right? From my, uh, my school communities, like my high school community, my university, you know, community, and go and open up to the broader business community, right? And, and, and community in general, you know, through online, right? And that's where I uh, made many of my connections from all around the world now, right? And so, and so for me, my approach has always been, you know, let's try something new um, and just start, right? That's, that's, the, uh, that's the mantra I always, I always preach, just start. Just however small you can, right? And even like, for example, even if you only have $50 to, you know, to invest in, right, in, in the stock market or whatever, right, that's still better than zero. That's still better than nothing, right? So just start and don't be afraid of where it takes you. Yeah. A couple of interesting things there. I think, um, uh, firstly, yeah, you're right. Like, it's important to not confuse introversion with social anxiety or social awkwardness. Um, and I think the second thing is, like, figure out what works for you and double down on it. And I'm thinking out loud here, but I think like perhaps when we're thinking about like, like if you can agree that introversion is, with introversion, we're talking about energy expenditure in social environments, perhaps the question then becomes when you're trying to figure out like how to decide whether or not you should go talk, like talk to people is, is the amount of, because inevitably energy expenditure, uh, negative energy expenditure will cause discomfort. And we want to avoid discomfort. Um, but I guess like the question should be, okay, by doing this, by going out there and socializing, it's going to make me, it's going to make me lose a lot of energy, but is the value I'm going to get back worth all of that energy expenditure? If yes, then 
probably a good idea to go do it. If no, then you may want to reconsider it. Uh, but I think the second layer to that is like there are certain situations where certain environments where you're going to spend less energy than others. For some people, if you're interacting online, you're going to be spending less energy than if you're interacting in person. And for other people, it might be the opposite way around. So I guess perhaps the key is like, understand that like it's worth doing a cost benefit analysis of the proposed action. And also just understand, just like figuring it I guess optimizing the situation for what what environment you thrive in whether that's like online in person or otherwise maybe that could be like a sort of like a mental model one can follow when you're trying to figure out you know like should i go talk to people do this or that or that you know exactly yeah you can you can run a quick little decision tree right in your mind you know even though for your major decisions we like we, we make like hundreds of decisions a day right so but mainly for your major decisions and i really like this framework from uh, Hamza Khan, as you know, right? He's a you know, podcaster, author, a bunch of different things, right? And so his kind of model for for things is that, you know, he, he has this color coding system, right? For deciding whether, you know, an activity is high, in, requires high energy, medium energy, low energy, right? And so, you know, he tends to, you know, kind of spreads these things out across, you know, his, his week. Right. So if you have, you know, a lot of, you know, high energy activities, like you can space them out, like, you know, in different days or disperse them. Or if you have like a gigantic networking event in the evening, then you just um, lighten your load with, you know, less, less meetings during that day. So you can conserve your energies so you can be at your best, right, during mm-hmm. the evening or at the evening. And so, you know, that I've learned to uh, incorporate that. And it's a really liberating feeling because, for example, like I organize uh, events called LinkedIn Local Toronto. So it's a, it's a business networking event. And so, you know, on the day of uh, these types of events, because I'm helping to organize to set up and clean up and to interact with a bunch of people, you know, at the same time, you know, I minimize my meetings as much as possible, right, during these days, or I, you know, spend a large proportion of those days working alone so that I can have that energy store ready to go to be able to perform at my social best in the evening, right? When I, when I eventually uh, get to the event. And so, you know, that's one, you know, definitely one way of doing it. You know, you know, you can have uh, your own kind of, you know, decisions about how, how best to, uh, how best to go about it. So actually, let me ask you this. You've been asking me way too many questions. Let me ask you this. Um, <laughs> How did you feel about the TechTO event that you went to recently? Oh man, TechTO! Like in terms of what, like general thoughts, or like anything? Or like, how did you handle it? Like, I know the TechTO is a massive event with a lot of people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you handle that type of environment? Yeah, like, I think what I've come to realize is like really big events like that, people are willing to talk if they're given an invitation to talk. Um, so. Yeah, when I went there, I didn't obviously. I actually went with Judd, uh, but we separated very early on, and uh, I didn't obviously like I didn't know anyone there. Uh, so the way I handle situations like that is just like say something to start a conversation with someone, and then just keep on talking. Uh, we actually made a new friend there. His name is Bobby. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, Bobby. Um, that's how I did. It. Like he was literally walking by me. I was like, "Hey, uh, that pizza's pretty cool, huh? It tastes pretty good." like yeah yeah and then we just started talking and through that like we you know we had each other to fall back on throughout the event i think so so that's like i guess during the event but i guess if we're talking about pre-event like how do i prepare for like an intense for like an event where i know i'm going to be spending a lot of energy i think the key is to be for me personally is to be well rested make sure i'm not hungry and be caffeinated unfortunately be caffeinated and just go in there with a plan in mind but be willing to adapt depending on the environment and see what happens yeah the tech TO event was interesting it wasn't what i was expecting to be honest it was a lot more i don't know what i, I guess i was i guess i was expecting more networking opportunities but it seemed as though perhaps i went there a little too late uh, but i had about like 20 minutes to network and then it was just a bunch of presentations and then afterwards most people just left um so i didn't get a really much of a chance to like talk to a lot of people but 
that's how, yeah, I mean, that's my thoughts on the events and that's sort of how I handled the situation at the time. Right, right. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, like I said before, like those types of big events are great until your battery is drained and then it becomes really um, not fun and then you want to go home, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really context dependent, right? And, and depends yeah. on how you feel and whether or not, you know, your experience has been positive, negative, a mix of both, right? And it really is fascinating, right, in that regard. I, I'm sure you know that as, as an event planner yourself, right? And how, um, how draining it is, like, after you finish an event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, like, die, like, die on the spot. I love that feeling though. So, because like during the event, your adrenaline is just rushing, and then once the event's over, it just like, you just crash, you just crash, but you crash with like a sense of satisfaction. Love it. Actually, one of the things I've noticed about myself, not related to event planning, but just in general, like I feel like there are periods where I'm incredibly charismatic and outgoing, and then there are other periods where I'm more reserved and I don't perform as well in social environments. Is that just me? Like, I don't know. Like, do you feel that way too? I, like, there's definitely a trigger there. I'm trying to figure out what that trigger is that allows me to go from reserved and socially awkward to outgoing and charismatic. I'm not sure what that trigger is. I'm really trying to maybe out. Maybe have a switch, right? But for me, I've always kept a baseline that is slowly increasing, I think, every year uh, as I get gain more experience, right, in this area. And so it's really interesting because I can, I'm just me, right? My authentic self. I don't have, I don't have uh, split personalities, right? In terms of you know, how, you know, charismatic or uncharismatic I, uh, I am. So it's, yeah, that's it's really interesting phenomenon. Uh, I'm not quite sure how to explain it though. So I, you can keep digging for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I can't help you out more. <laughs> uh, it might just be like, a, like an Elliot from Mr. Robot. Have like two different personalities that come out. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. So we're gonna wrap it up now. Or? Sounds like it. I think like we've been recording for a while also. So let's wrap it up. So thank you again for coming on. Yo, thank you. For yeah. Well, no, it's been a while because we. It's been a while for us to to catch up. You know, like we said before, and um, you know, once we catch up catch up with friends after a while then we start talking about everything and then you know it can quickly uh metamorphosize to uh, to you know a three hour long or more conversation but you know I, i'm looking to cap <laughs> these episodes at under an hour so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we'll leave it at that. let's just put it that way and hopefully yeah. that, you know, we imparted enough you know interesting value or tidbits or nuggets that you know you can incorporate into your daily life and you know on that last note um how can people find you what are you working on <laughs> how can you yeah. connect with you on social and um you know what are you working on currently yeah uh well you can find me on a lot of social media platforms i'm sure like uh, my name will be posted somewhere on this podcast episode but i guess the best way of connecting with me would be on twitter at ratty and huck and this guy has yeah. some fire tweets by the way <laughs> yo i mean they're okay. I don't know. I don't know. I just like serves so every now and then I post my thoughts. Um, but yeah, and sure this is like a project that I'm working on. Uh, I'm working on platforms like Chapsil. Um, it's a platform that you can use to create your own event app uh, for free. So check it out at chapsil.com. And I'm actually looking to work with event planners um, and just to create both like a customized app for them, but also like just to get a bit of feedback in terms of how the platform is and like what where I where I can improve. So if you're an event planner, you'll we should definitely talk. But if not, then connect anyways and we should talk still. Yeah, that's where you can find me. Perfect. Sounds good. And this episode is definitely not sponsored by Chapsel, by the way. It is a startup. <laughs> it is a startup after all, a bootstrap startup. So um, yeah. <laughs> you don't have enough money to pay your pay yourself anyways. So exactly. <laughs> get sponsorships of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> We're not at like dash lane levels yet. Don't worry, Dashlane will be in the future, or maybe NordVPN or Squarespace or whatever. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Gotta wait on that. This podcast isn't sponsored by Honey. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, geez, honey, man. 
four billion dollars. Was it four? Four or three? That billion acquisition dollars? was crazy. Yeah, got some wild stuff there. Holy. Anyways, let's wrap this up. Thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you for joining. Yeah, and, yeah thank uh, you so we'll, much. No worries, and we'll uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Take care. All right, man. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Digital Introverts Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing and leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at D-I-G-I-I-N-T-R-O-S-H-O-W. And you can follow me on all social platforms at G-O-D-W-I-N-H-S-C-H-A-N. I appreciate everyone who listens to the show And let's change the world quietly.